This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Our show is about your calls, and so if you make them, we'll go to you about anything. Otherwise, we'll talk about things interesting to us, and there is a lot to talk about. Of course, one of the big stories in the news that we haven't really commented on big stories recently. So here's one of them. How about these new auto regulations, guys? Which ones are you referring to? The... uh um, the the color of the paint in uh, California. Oh, right. I hadn't heard that. Well, but, that was a while back, yeah, right? That was, that's been a little while. A few weeks ago. You mean the mandatory gas mileage figures? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one. The Associated Press reporting that some soccer mam- moms will have to give up their hulking SUVs. Carpenters will still haul materials around in pickup trucks, but they'll cost more. Nearly everybody will drive smaller cars, and more of them will run on electricity. The higher mileage and emission standards set by the Obama administration begin to take effect in 2012, are to be achieved by 2016, and will transform the American car and truck fleet. And it, uh, I wish we had Gardner in here to do his newsman voice, you know, just, and we'll transform the American truck fleet. I mean, it's like the new vision for American automobiles brought to you by the Obama administration. There's a few things they haven't thought through here, though. First of all, how are they going to increase the capacity of the electrical grid? Because they're going to need to do that if everybody's plugging their cars in, or a lot of people are plugging their cars in all of a sudden at nighttime which is normally off-peak time. Hmm. Considering that we're stuck in the 1970s as far as the electrical grid is concerned, that might be a problem. That's, well, off-peak's good, not on-peak. I mean, you know, obviously sure. if they're trying to... The other problem is what if you have a power outage? You won't be able to drive to work because you won't be able to charge your car. Yeah, it's true. You know, I'm not so much worried about uh, electric cars. Uh, the Tesla Motors company is certainly leading the way in that, and, and the marketplace, I think, is going in that direction eventually anyway. But what I find interesting about this is it, all of this is, of course, being pegged to the Obama administration. The idea, of course, being that, well, these car companies, if it weren't for the government, if it weren't for the American government, all they would be doing would be making these big bricks that just drive around yeah. and waste our gas money. And, and, and you know, the, the fact is, 2008 uh, was was proof positive that that's not so. What do you mean? Well, the end of 2008. Remember when gas was uh, what getting close to 450? Yes. It, uh, it, and that's locally. It was probably 550 in California. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. A gallon. The well, marketplace reacted to right, that. The marketplace reacted. They wanted smaller cars. Right now, gas. Uh, it's not as low as it was earlier, but it's still two twenty-five a gallon or so. People, for whatever reason, they you know they're not as worried about the trips. They're not putting off uh, summer vacations because of uh, gas. Uh, you know the cost of gas now. And they cleared a lot of SUVs and pickups off car lots in the last uh, six months too because of lower gas prices. Now I think it's kind of a. Uh, I, I I tend to believe the gas prices are going up higher in the near future. Especially with the dollar devaluing the way it is, and the fact that we seems we, inevitable, right? And with the fact that we buy so much oil from foreign countries, eventually they're going to want more money for it, more of our paper dollars for it. So the new rules would bring new cars and trucks sold in the United States to an average of 35.5 miles per gallon, about 10 miles per gallon more than today's standards. Passenger cars will be required to get 39 miles per gallon. Light trucks. 30. That means cars and trucks on American roads will have to become smaller, lighter, and more efficient. 
So, again, the suggestion here, the underlying premise of this story, and I'm sure many, uh, you know, this is the AP, I'm sure this is similarly reported elsewhere, is that, boy, thank goodness for the government. I mean, if it weren't for the government, then uh, these car companies would just be not advancing anything at all. We would have, uh, you know, these big, ugly, heavy cars, and that's, that's not, nobody wants those cars. No one wants those, which, of course, if that were true, they wouldn't sell them. You know, the right. fact is, some people out there, are, you know, you know what's safe. You know which one's safer? The big car. Period. And some people are very, very concerned with that. And I don't care what you do with your little Mercedes smart car, whether you you put a force field on it and <laughs> and a, a bunch of marshmallows that shoot out the front. I don't care. You're gonna die. Is that the teeny little two seater? Yeah. That, that's the golf cart on <laughs> steroids. Um, it, it, you're you're going to get kushmushed. I mean, it's flat. <laughs> that's it. Okay, now I know it's probably it's probably a lot safer than a golf cart, okay? Mm-hmm. But it's not as safe as a 76 Eldorado convertible, okay? Made out when, of metal, right? right? <laughs> good old Real metal. Good old 8-gauge American steel and about 9 feet of it between you and the next guy. But the government's telling you, Mark, that you don't get to choose anymore. I mean, you can always drive around the 76. They're not going to ban those from the roads no. at this point. But, okay. but as far as if you want to... It banned itself when it, when, uh, when it was going at 6 miles to the gallon <laughs> yeah. and, and gas was well, there you go. 350 a pop. Economics but, but you right there. This is an industry, both the energy industry and the auto industry, that have been heavily, heavily involved with the government in the last 50 oh, years. Oh, yeah, that's my other story. Yeah, and, and because of that, you've got the mess you have today where we're being forced to use gasoline and i'm convinced the cars are not nearly as efficient as they could be if 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 you turn the inventors loose because i look at the stories i used to concur with you remember in the 50s they had a story of a guy who invented a carburetor that got 50 miles per gallon in a v8 engine Back in the fifties, I, I you know I, I hear different things. And then on the those hit stories. squad came by. I don't and took know out, right? about those stories, <laughs> but okay, maybe. Maybe and the I do believe that the marketplace would be more efficient, and you would have better cars if the auto automobile you know, if the uh, government didn't subsidize the oil industry, and uh, you know the, now then they put past these regulations. If you let the marketplace decide. It'd be fine. There'd be a greater variety right. of choices. You know, I had that 76 Eldorado convertible, and it was yeah. important to me to have um, you know, a convertible car. And I'm looking. I am going to, at some point in the relatively near future, whether it's a year or two or whatever, buy another car. And what have I been looking at? I've been looking at convertibles that get really good gas mileage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not looking at the 67 Lincoln that I really, you know, I, I like the way they look. Sometimes I'll, I'll look at them on eBay, mm-hmm. but the ones that I'm looking at are the ones that are getting really good gas mileage because that's what I'm looking for these days. Yeah. I remember the sting of four hundred of excuse me, $4.50 gas, and I know that it could happen to me again, and I don't want to be, uh, you know, just right out there in the open having to, to pay whatever the gas companies are going to charge. I don't want that experience again. I want the best gas mileage I can get. So I'm willing to trade a certain level of safety and a certain level of speed because, you know, obviously my BMW wasn't getting uh, that kind of gas mileage either. I'm willing to sit, sit, trade speed and safety for, for gas mileage. Yeah, a year ago I got rid of my SUV and I got a smaller car with a mm-hmm. five-speed manual and I get almost double the mileage and I'm happy every time I go to the gas station regardless of the price of gas. But one of my pet peeves has been that I remember about 1998 some economists uh, did a study and they determined that at the time the price of gas I think at the pump was about $1.50 a gallon, but they determined that the real price per gallon that we were paying as Americans was about $15 a gallon when you consider all the money we pay in the defense budget to defend the oil in the mm. Middle East. 
Mm. So if you look at the real, you're not looking the sticker the price. Costs. The real costs of a gallon of gas right now are much higher than what you pay at the pump when you consider all those factors. So we do need to do something, but I don't think the government needs to mandate it. We need to just yeah. turn the inventors loose, open up the free market. The market and le- needs to decide, and, and the government's basically saying that if you do value safety above gas mileage, you are SOL. You can either go buy a 10-year-old SUV, I mean, by the time 2016 rolls around, that this is when uh, the mandates are supposed Hold to be that 2006. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, just buy something old, which is fine. Of course, a lot of people are going to do that. Uh, but, or, but in two decades after that, you just won't be able to drive that yeah. 2010 Honda element anymore. Well, right. I mean, also, you'll be missing out on any sort of advancements in yeah. uh, new car technology and things I, like that. I mean, that's the what, you know, when I, when I was driving the uh, Eldorado and it was 30 years old, I remember when I had to brake heavily, this didn't oh. used to happen. This, this used to happen all the time. You would hear this, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't hear a bang. Now, whenever you hear a, you, you, there's a bang that follows shortly thereafter because there's an accident on. But, you know, cars used to not have ABS and all that other stuff. Let's go to your phone calls. Frank is in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Uh, hello, gentlemen. I'm old enough to remember all of the uh, uh, laws regarding automobiles, regarding uh, anti-pollution controls, safety belts, uh, airbags that were to be in all cars by 1982, but Ronald Reagan... And the auto industry were able to roll that back in Congress so that that was pushed back many, many years. Many lives could have been saved with that, but uh, due to the political power and the money uh, and doing business as usual, that became a secondary concern. So I find it comical that Obama has mandated all these new uh, regulations regarding the auto industry when all three major auto manufacturers are ready to go bankrupt. We'll bring you and back, uh, Frank. Let you, with... We'll let you continue here in a moment. 800-259-9231. Indeed, uh, General Motors ready to go bankrupt. That was one of my other stories. Apparently going to sell themselves to the government. Uh, more on the way. Oh, this boy. is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features, they're free, so enjoy those on us, including the bulletin board system. We've got over 450,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. Dot com. Are you facing a debt crisis? DebtCrisisSolutions.com guarantees that they can protect your bank accounts, assets, and the equity in your home. They're your debt crisis consultants. In some cases, you don't have to make another payment on your credit cards. DebtCrisisSolutions.com, 718-615-0123, 718-615-0123, and DebtCrisisSolutions.com. Dot com. As we continue discussing the car uh, regulations that are being put into play here, uh, apparently mandated in by t- uh, to begin by 2012 and to be achieved by 2016. Of course, the Obama administration taking all the credit for this, which some of this is them running out in front of the parade. Some of this is them, you know, basically mandating the things that the auto industry is already working towards, yeah. and that is greater efficiency and, and things like that. Uh, but th- they get to pretend as though that the marketplace wouldn't do any of these advancements if it weren't for the almighty government ordering it to. Right. And so that's going to be the position they'll get to take. Let's go back to Frank in New York. Frank, you're back on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. The comment, the comment, too, that I heard you guys mention several times about the free market. 
let's get it straight. The free market is an intellectual illusion. It doesn't exist. No, that's correct. No one has ever, ever said it does. In the United States, it's three major manufacturers for the last 20 some or 30 years in real terms. So in a sense, they sort of determined the current morass by their uh, addiction to old technologies, uh, big profits, and and having basically more than half of all the car sales. That's changed in the last 15 years, where I think even GM sells one of five cars. Uh, So what's very interesting is their own stupidity and their own preeminence in the marketplace as an oligopoly, not as a not as a competitor in a free market, got them in a sense to this position. But I find it humorous that Obama right now is mandating all these changes when within two years we won't have an American auto industry. We will have probably a European Asian manufacturing presence here in the States that will be able to do that. And GM has announced they're planning to manufacture 80% of their cars in China. That's right. And import them to the U.S. So they'll be exempt from these mandated regulations that Obama's attempting to take credit for. What's interesting is just smoke and mirrors. It will have no effect. And ultimately, what has happened with all regulations is Well, the now, wait a minute. They're still going to have to, if they want to sell the cars they make in China in the United States, they'll, they'll still have to abide no, by No, they'll have, they'll have a grandfather's clause or they'll have a special loophole that will allow them not hmm. to have to meet those Maybe. requirements. This is all just window dressing. And wait and see in two or three years. When you, or see when you read the actual legislation. It's not actually. <laughs> yeah, like I'm going to do that. Regarding the. And you'll you'll see that's going to be a key component. This is nothing more than smoke and mirrors. So Obama can show the people that instead of giving them security with regard to their bank deposits in the failing banks or providing regulations on food and price controls that would actually help a lot of the people. No, that doesn't help anything, Frank. You were on the right path there for a little while. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. Appreciate it, man. 800-259-9231. He was on the the right track when he was pointing out that uh, it is smoke and mirrors and that uh, there may very well be a grandfather clause, certainly a possibility there. I I don't know. I, I haven't read the regulations. I don't plan to. Uh, but well, I think that he's pointing out that there's a uh, lack of competition in the marketplace, and he's right about that. that you know that that competition, uh, that lack of competition causes there to be a not enough options for consumers, and. You know, yeah, you'd see lower prices in certain types of food if there was more competition. But one of the problems is is that all the regulations, from zoning laws to uh, you know traffic laws to you know city planning rules, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just there's there's uh, just a plethora of things that make it difficult for there to be. You know, competition in the marketplace. Uh, you know, there might very we might very well have one of those like Mexican street bazaars if you would let people build houses the way they want to build houses. Yeah. There would certainly be a slummy section of town. I'm not saying that everything would be beautiful and pristine here in America. But it's not what right I now. am telling you, it's not. You're just pushing the poor people into different hovels and creating ghettos. So yeah. you're hurting people with these rules. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. I'd like to let Frank know that uh, he was upset that Obama hasn't been focusing on regulating food, but he's not paying full attention because they are working towards regulating food suppliers. There's that food tracking legislation that they're putting into effect, which is going to hurt, of course, the mom and pop, uh, the smaller food distributors, food manufacturers, with this insane government-mandating tracking system, amongst other things, and, of course, 
there's there's so much uh, else that's happening. Uh, we haven't talked about the uh, the regulations that affect the the products that are sold to kids under the age of 12. That's coming down. Uh, so there are all kinds of new regulations being put into effect, which aren't going to actually help consumers. They're going to hurt consumers because regulations always end up hurting consumers by restricting the marketplace, which is exactly what we're talking about here. The reason why the auto industry is so restricted in this country is because of the regulations that the big auto manufacturers have been pushing for. It's the same old story. Whether we're talking about the national auto manufacturers or your local plumbers uh, review board or whatever they, they might be called where you are, there are these regulatory agencies that are essentially staffed by people who are either directly connected to the major companies in that particular industry or people who used to work for the major companies in that in that industry. And they come up with new rules and new regulations for their industries for the purposes of keeping new competition out, for the purposes of being able to insulate themselves to the things that Frank was talking about, to you know to keep the big profits going and to keep the market uh, the the low competition situation or the oligopoly as uh, as he mm. called it that's why these regulatory structures exist they don't exist to protect you they exist to protect the big interests the big businesses that have been involved in whatever that field is for the longest time and that's it and they're very politically connected and here's the other problem i'm not really totally convinced that the federal government wants us to drive around in electric cars because if you think about it they make more on a gallon of gasoline than the oil companies do in yeah, some cases true so and that's a major source of revenue for the federal government whose revenue is declining sharply now so if they put everybody in electric cars and we don't need to use gasoline anymore what's going to happen to their revenue from gas taxes <laughs> it's going to go down. Out. They're going to have to figure. They'll figure out something uh, to do to tax us in some other way. Certainly, you know the way the taxes are expanding. Uh, I, I think they'll figure it out. Cap and trade, maybe. That that's likely. Oh boy. The changes will start with smaller cars and trucks and improvements to the internal combustion engine, said somebody. Automakers already are working on new technology. See, that's, uh, again, them stepping in front of the parade and yep, saying, right. see, we're this is here what, to save you. The Chevy Volt has been developed over several years now, and they, they have it ready to almost come out, and now they had to take money from the federal government to finish it up and to stay in business. And now, now guess who's going to take the credit for that one? Yep. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens so often with government, whether it's on a local or state level or or federal level, is that they just want things just a little sooner than the marketplace would be able to provide, and they want everybody to have it. And that just isn't the way it works. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. If you've got comments on this auto situation, there's more to the story. Of course, uh, uh, other news is that GM is looking to sell itself to the government, which is something that was easily predictable. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're yours right there on the front page of the website, free for you at freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that uh, the way they treat your customer reflects on you. So, uh, and they also know that you want to collect your money and you want to keep your clients, too. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. SACL CAI, major sponsor of this program. So, uh, talking about this just absolutely atrocious situation that uh, this country is in right now with the automotive sector. Of course, as you know, the the big three uh, have been getting handouts from the federal government. Though I guess Ford said no to the handouts, so to their credit. Uh, Chrysler and GM, however, have been getting big-time handouts from taxpayers. And uh, and not just even taxpayers, everybody. Uh, even if you manage to avoid most federal taxes, you're still paying for these things because they're essentially printing out new money. And as long as you're using the Federal Reserve note, uh, and most of us are, you're paying these car companies to stay afloat, which really, I mean, we're talking about pumping uh, blood into a somebody that is just bleeding out. This is not possible. Uh, these These companies got to the point of bankruptcy because they don't know what the hell they're doing. They are so big and unwieldy that they can't compete in the marketplace anymore, even with the virtual oligopoly that they've been granted by the, the government. So pumping more money into the, these failing giants is not going to help the situation. And that's basically what we'd said several months ago on this program. Program when uh, you know the Bush administration was doing the very first round of the, these automotive bailouts. Right. This is what happens in the marketplace: companies rise, they get big, they fall, they go away. You know I, what would happen right now if the government had stepped in and tried to prop up the blacksmith and the farrier industry? I mean, would we still be riding around on horses? It's a scary thought, isn't it? This is not what the marketplace needs. This is not what America needs. America shouldn't save its automobile industry as though uh, Hondas and Toyotas and BMWs and all these other things aren't made in America. They just have them for for names. Mm -hmm. Um, We shouldn't save our automobile industry at the sake of making it socialized. Well, That's we actually, not saving anything. But true, you know, but it doesn't mean that another American auto company can't spring up from nowhere, like sure. Tesla Motors or somebody who yeah. has a new idea that's not caught up and entrenched and in the old system. they can spring up as long as they obey all the regulations, and which all the, is dr- drastically increasing their cost, their startup, uh, the, startup costs. The regulations, the in, in the difficulty competing against a, a, a competitor that's propped a up by the government. Yeah. I mean, how impossible is that? I was just reading uh, Popular Mechanics. A guy has this has this uh, vehicle which has the drag. Of I believe a uh, I believe it was either one or it was the pair of wind uh, of uh, rear view mirrors on the side of a truck. Okay, just the rear view mirrors. That's how much the whole car's drag is. Mm. So this guy he isn't looking to make a new car. He's looking to sell his technology to an existing car company. Yeah. Why? Because he can't compete in the marketplace against uh, these giants that are backed up by the government and given subsidies all over the place and have uh, you know all the all the regulations backing them. I remember about a, maybe nine months or a year ago, I had a story here about out in the uh, Los Angeles Auto Show. There was a company that was being 
uh, pushed out because they were making uh, GM and, and Dodge look bad because they had an SUV that would get 150 miles per gallon. It was a, a hybrid, mm-hmm. and they used a new technology which allowed the batteries to work more efficiently. And so this stuff is out there. It's just a matter of, of letting uh, smart people take over those assets and, and manage them better and, and uh, stop all this entrenched stupidity that the, the GM and, and uh, some of the other domestic companies have, have gotten themselves into. They've dug themselves a hole, and now it doesn't matter how much money you throw at them. Yeah. They're not going to stay solvent because people don't want to buy their cars. Exactly. If, if Americans wanted to save the American auto industry, they'd be out there buying their crap can cars. And they aren't because well, you know, they aren't competitive enough. In all fairness, you know, GM and Chrysler have a few cars that are decent. But when, when oil prices went up sharply last spring and summer, the GM and, and Dodge particularly are so dependent on profits from big vehicles that they weren't selling any, any anymore. They didn't have a good stable of small cars like Honda and, Toyo- Honda and Toyota do. So they were in trouble, and then they had all these cars sitting on lots not selling, mm-hmm. which they cleared out a bit when gas prices fell, but now the economy's in the dumper. So if, if you've got a little bit of money to buy a car, are you going to go buy one of their cars when they might go out of business? Doesn't make much sense. Not a good investment. Reuters is reporting a General Motors uh, plan for bankruptcy filing involves a quick sale of the company's healthy assets to a new company, initially owned by the U.S. government? source familiar with the situation said Tuesday, the source, who would not be named because he wasn't cleared to speak with the media, didn't specify a purchase price. The new company is expected to honor the claims of secured lenders, possibly in full. So that means that there are certain companies that or there are certain organizations that have lent money to GM and the new government run company is going to honor those companies claims, meaning they're going to take taxpayer dollars and basically pay out to those uh, th- those uh, creditors. Right? Am no, I re- understanding well, this correctly? Well, sort of, but they're going to print the money and then give it to them. Right, but that's what they're going to do. They're going to print the money. They're going to steal from everyone that has Federal Reserve notes because that's what inflation is. Inflation is not a rise in prices. Inflation is an increase in the money supply. And so they're going to print out billions more. They're going to essentially pay off the creditors, GM's creditors, and they're going to own GM's assets in full. This government company... Is going to be. It's going to be GM. I mean, Drudge Report has been kind of jokingly writing government motors, but that's what they that's are. That's what they are now. That's what they are becoming. That's what they were when they first took the money from the state, and that's what they are going to become even more so once this deal goes through. And this is yep. exactly what we thought was going to happen, and it wasn't hard to predict because you've taken the thirty pieces of silver. Government came and said, "Hey, you guys are having a tough time here, aren't you?" Just take this, these billions of dollars and we'll help keep you afloat. Oh, that business plan sounds great. You guys are going to do great. Just take this money and everything will be fine. Yeah, we're going to take a little piece of, uh, you know, the, the company. That's okay. We're just going to sit over here in our little corner. Oh, we're going to replace some of your executives as well. Yep. And, uh, you know, we're going to take care of this and that. Uh, oh, your plan didn't work out. Because, again, they were failing, so why all of a sudden the new <laughs> influx of uh, taxpayer dollars is going to help a well, failing company? Actually, it's the, it's the influx of uh, taxpayer dollars is what's going to kill them. Either if they were going to make it 
and GM was on the verge of making it. Maybe they mm-hmm. could have, maybe they couldn't. Uh, it's hard to say. You know, Chry- Chrysler likely wasn't going to. I don't know why we're saving Chrysler. Uh, you know, you know, sh- making them a French company, and I don't, I don't know. I none of that makes any sense. Well, why would it kill them? You know what, what? kills? You know what kills me about Chrysler though? Chrysler when they were bought out by Daimler Benz at a time when the economy was good, Daimler Benz couldn't even make money owning Chrysler. So Daimler Benz got out of the picture, and another company bought them out. And so, what makes you think Chrysler's going to make it now when the economy's in, in the toilet? Well, what was the point you were going to Go get ahead, to, Daimler? Well, I'm just saying that uh, you about know, that why the taxpayer dollars would kill the taxpayer them. dollars. Well, <laughs> the same way that the same reason that welfare queens never get off welfare. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. The vast majority of people, I don't know whether it's vast. I don't have any any numbers on it, but I can tell you that people have spent generations on welfare. Welfare will kill your drive and make it so that you know innovation just isn't going to happen. Well, if they weren't innovative enough before, how they're going to be more innovative with some government appointed bureau, uh, bureaucrat wannabe yeah, right. sitting on their board of directors? I don't know. So and so they ran out of cash again. And oh, government, so we're so sorry it didn't work out for you. Well, tell you what. Tell you what, we are going to wipe out your debt. In fact, later on in the story here, it says that the government's going to forgive the bulk of the $15.4 billion in emergency loans that has already been provided to GM. So those weren't loans. That was a real subsidy. GM is no longer a company, people. GM is yet another government program. Right. They will go on forever. I mean, they'll go on until they absolutely fail. The the, the Volga didn't go out of business until the the communist... Government fell. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Maybe this is a good sign. Maybn this is a sign yeah. of the impending end of the federal government that hey, they own an auto car the, company this now. This is the impending end of auto of, of the internal combustion engine in the United States because the fact is the United States government's going to make regulations that make government motors more competitive in the mm. marketplace and make it difficult for anybody to compete against them. It's going to be this is scary. It's terrible. Scary it's terrible. And then they're going to force us to buy one. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the cycle. CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Your thoughts on this or anything goes. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves by dialing toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. Now, if you enjoy this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by becoming an amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more internet listeners on board, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. Go to amp.freetalklive.com, learn about the perks you'll get access to, like the amp-only call-in lines, and more. amp.freetalklive.com. Continuing to discuss the automotive uh, just debacle, this disaster of a situation where basically General Motors is becoming government motors. They are in the process of selling themselves uh, during a bankruptcy filing. Uh, they're going to be doing a what's called a quick sale of the company's healthy assets to a company owned by the U.S. government. Now, the article here says the company's initially going to be owned by the U.S. government. <laughs> Weren't they just initially giving them a loan to help them out uh, for yeah. a little while? And then, oh, well, now it's not a loan anymore. Now they're forgiving the bulk of the $15.4 billion in emergency loans. So they never were intended to be loans. They were intended to get the company on the hook and get their the government's claws even ever deeper into them to where they there's no way they can pull out of this. It's over. Bankruptcy filing's going. It's happening. They're going to turn it over to the government, and uh, I guess we're just going to have to believe that the government's going to find another buyer for it, right? That's not going to be wholly owned and controlled by the state. 
I mean, this is just so crazy. The the whole situation. Let's go to your phone call. Steve is in South Carolina. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Steve, you know, I was I was thinking that if and verify this, that America consumes fifty percent of the resources of the world. Is that accurate? I have no idea. Doesn't sound it. I've heard something. Like I don't that. know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I heard something about that too. And the thing is, it's like, okay, well, if that is true, then if our demand for gasoline decreases to almost zero percent, then because we're using alternative sources and, you know, electric cars, this, that, and the other, then the rest of the world does not have an incentive to do anything because gas prices, well, we're talking about supply and demand. So the people in Saudi Arabia driving SUVs are going to go, hey, Gas is cheap. I'm just going to keep driving my SUV. Now, GM and all the other American car manufacturers, they also got hooks overseas as well, and they can go, you know what? Let's just bail out of America, go international, and we can continue to make these gas-guzzling bricks and, you know, sell them to these people because gas is cheap over there, and America's not using gas much anymore. So, hey, we're good to go. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if America's not using gas much anymore, why wouldn't other countries follow suit? Oh, because Saudi Arabia is not going to do it. I mean, everybody is not so environmentally, you know, conscious as the rest of the, as the United States is with the uh, with the uh, Sierra Club and so, on and so forth. I mean, it, really, think about it. I mean, if they don't have to. Saudi Arabia is going to do what they want to do. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I agree with but, it. I agree with you. I think that uh, if if the United States uh, decreases demand for oil, likely um, you know the the other places like Europe and and places like that that do use oil will uh, will see a reduction in price and therefore they'll increase their usage. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe they'll mandate uh, their own uh, standards. They could very and, well. I mean, Europe likes the teeny cars already. So Europe likes the teeny cars because gas costs so much over there. Mm, that's a good point. It might be. It, it, I'm certain it's it, to some level taxes and it's mostly taxes. It, it might very well be. I don't know. Um, it could be that you know they just don't have as high a demand for it. I don't know. It's taxes. Here's the deal: if one door closes, another door opens. So if the United States quits using gasoline and the demand on it is is reduced and the United States uses a lot more percentage than the whole the rest of the world, then there is more gasoline for the other nations and the price is going to go down because demand went down because the United States said, hey, that's it, we're cut off. And so they're going to go, hey, now a new window, a new door is open for us to buy some nice SUVs. Maybe, Maybe a... a Thanks, Steve, for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. Actually, I have heard stories of of, uh, a lot of SUVs last summer being shipped off to Saudi Arabia and other Middle Eastern countries. I don't know. I mean, this is, we're talking about something that's going to take a long time. The, the government's plan here, the mandates are looking at uh, 2016 for their completion date. So we're still out, you know, almost uh, at least well over half of a decade from now uh, before any of these standards are in. And that, that's still only standards for gas running vehicles. So if anything, you know, if people are getting better gas mileage, they'll be more likely to drive more, and maybe the gas uh, consumption won't really go down that much. Maybe people will still consume the same amount and just drive more, or maybe it will dip slightly, but it's not like it's going to fall off of a cliff. So, I don't know. 800-259-9231. The government's plans, by the way, include giving stakes in this new government-owned GM, uh, <laughs> giving stakes to GM's union and bondholders, although the ownership structure of the company is still being negotiated, according to the source. 
They're going to waive the emergency loans. Plus, the government has given GM till June 1st to restructure its operations to lower its debt burden and employee costs. If those tasks failed, the company has said it would follow rival Chrysler into bankruptcy. So, I guess they have a plan for bankruptcy, but maybe they aren't quite going through with it yet. It's going to be a few more weeks, a couple more weeks until they do it. Well, they've just had... The- Several billion dollars in loans erased. I I don't know. I I just that's for the plan. That's if they go with the plan. They'll yeah. they'll have the billions erased. So I, yes, they're going to go through the bankruptcy sure. thing. All I see is that 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 GM becomes now becomes uh, you know government motors and and never 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 goes away. Well, so I, hmm? I was going to say bankruptcy is is a device where where companies that are uncompetitive can become competitive again by clearing the decks and and uh, selling off the bad assets and hopefully reorganizing smaller and leaner. But they're not letting that happen. That's it's intervention in the marketplace for both Chrysler and GM. They should have let this happen six months ago, and they'd be better off now. They'd probably be recovering by now. Setting up a new company to buy the healthy assets is aimed at reassuring consumers who might not be willing to make a major purchase from a bankrupt company, fearing it would not honor warranties or provide service. The board of the new company would be established with the tacit approval of the government. The man who took the helm of GM earlier this year after the government pushed out Rick Wagoner would likely head the new company. So fully staffed by the government, owned initially, allegedly, uh, for, as though they'll actually sell it, by the government. And the whole idea is to reassure you, hey, come on, don't be scared, little consumer. Sure, this company's going out of business, but the government's going to back it up. I mean, you can count on us, right? <laughs> Do you remember the Yugo? Do you remember Social Security? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to make a lockbox. We're never going to touch that stuff. Right. Yeah, because you can trust the state to honor its agreements. Medicare. How about Medicare? Just ask anybody who was told one thing, like the veterans. VA hospitals. And then were delivered something completely different. Or maybe they did actually get what was promised for a little while, and then the government decided that, well, uh, times have changed, and we just can't afford this agreement anymore. So tell you what, we're going to change the terms, and you're going to accept it. So uh, with a government-owned car company, the government could step in and say, yeah, oh, yeah, we're going to honor your agreements, no problem. And then, you know, a couple of years down the line, they're in an even more dire financial situation. Sure, they could always print some more money out, I suppose. That's probably the, the route they'll go, because if they don't keep printing more and more money out to finance, to subsidize this, you know, government motors thing, then they are going to have to start changing the warranties. Yeah, it was a... Uh, 20-year drivetrain now it's three i don't know how much how many they normally give you but you know they could change their agreements no problem it's yeah. the government you, what are you gonna do take them to government motors court are you gonna challenge them in their own system no i mean this is it's just amazing to watch this happen and of course americans are going to keep dutifully paying taxes they'll keep going right along with this they'll keep playing along and keep going and it's just Wow. How long do we have left here, this uh, this federal government? I mean, how, how much closer are we to the, the end? Hopefully not. Hopefully it's not much farther to go from here. Anyway, we continue with your phone calls. Todd in Michigan, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Todd. Hey, Wayne, Mark, and Ian. What's up, guys? What's on your mind tonight, Todd? Um, I noticed you guys were talking about Radley Belko's blog post about 
Michael Savage and Wayne Allen Roots. That's uh, the, Michael Savage, you. the hate-mongering uh, talk show host, and Wayne Allen Root, the vice presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party of 2008, uh, apparently getting together and hanging out, talking on their show, and uh, it's just a, just another embarrassment uh, to the Libertarian Party that, that is a shadow of its former self. Your thoughts? Well, um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but in the first episode of my show, Liberty Cap Talk Live on Blog Talk or Talk Radio when I was doing it, um, I remember a very interesting caller I got on the air. Does the name Eric Dundarrell Rittberg mean anything to you? Yeah, he's the uh, guy, one, one of the founders of the uh, RLC. Well, he claims to be the founder of the Republican Liberty Caucus, uh, the founder. He's, he's made... He's made, he's made, you know, some kind of contribution to it. But anyway, it turns out that uh, he was the one that brought Wayne Allen Root into the LP, and he admitted this on the air with me. Great. So, well, they're all yeah. they're just a bunch of unprincipled uh, fellows, and they're ruining uh, the, the, the Libertarian Party from the inside out. In fact, it's uh, it's a rotting corpse at this point. Todd, thanks for the call. Always good hearing from you. Hour two coming up. Free Talk Live. SwissAmerica.com reports Wednesday gold prices shot up over 1% on a sharply weaker dollar as stocks fell and commodities rose. Gold closed in New York up $12.30 to 9.3730. Silver rose a dime to 14.25. Gold has been sought out by investors drawn to its safety and inflation protection. We believe this trend will define investment behavior in the next decade, said Aram Shishiman, CEO of the World Gold Council. More at SwissAmerica.com. Recession, inflation, market volatility, what do you do to protect your money? Call Swiss America to send you a free education on gold investing. Gold offers you safety, liquidity, and excellent profit potential. Gold is the only asset that's not someone else's liability. The DVD, booklet, and newsletter are free. The knowledge you'll gain is invaluable. Call toll-free 800-630-1496. That's 800-630-1496. 800-630-1496 today. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can dial in and bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their website, Ours is free at freetalklive.com. So let's start things out here uh, this hour by going to an email when markets chance. Uh, We'll get to an email from somebody who's got some critical things to say, apparently, about our friend Sam, who is currently sitting in a jail cell, now entering his sixth week uh, of jail behind bars for recording video in a public court lobby and then refusing to give his name or rather utilizing his supposed right to remain silent. He's been ordered held indefinitely with no trial. Uh, so it's just an awful situation. Of course, you can get the latest on that at freekeen.com. But Mark, somebody sent you an email about this. Yeah, and I wouldn't call it a critical email. Uh, oh, okay. I'd say that it certain, has a certain level of critique in it. And I'm going to read this first line to you. And uh, you'll realize that James from Chicago didn't intend this as uh, some kind of vitriolic attack on Sam. Okay. He says, I'm choosing to share this with you, and it's not for air because what? I... You're not supposed to read it then? Well, I already asked him if I could. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't want to disparage Sam while he's down, but I heard you and Ian on, on the air today talking about, and this was a couple of days ago, uh, his situation, and I side with your point of view. 
I've been, and not that I necessarily think that his is, his point of, point of view is entirely uh, mine. We, he will outline okay. it here. Uh, he'll flesh that out. I've been supporting Sam in my thoughts, but put the brakes on when I heard he was refusing food. My gut reaction was that that was really going dramatic, he puts in uh, quotation marks. And, I, you know, to some extent, I understand where he's coming from on this. I also say that I'm for what works, right? Yeah. And it seems like going without food is what worked. He got. You, you think that's what resulted in the? Uh, I don't know the news media. Uh, uh, you he got one article from the Keen Sentinel that turned into an AP, a very short AP piece that got picked up in one or two other places. At least last time I looked, it wasn't really widely distributed at all. So he got one big article in the Sunday Keen Sentinel above the fold front page. But was it a result of him hunger striking? Because it wasn't the the title of the article. The title wasn't prisoner hunger strikes. Uh, the, the title was I don't have it in front of me, but it was you know something to the effect of uh, you know a jail scolding. free state or recruits in jail. Right, scolding the courts and something like that. Yeah, um, I understand, but. And and there's no way you can look back and say, well, this would have worked and this wouldn't, because you can't create a test, uh, you know, a control well, we, group. Well, we could. We could probably call Phil Bance, the uh, Sentinel reporter, and ask him, Phil, would you have reported on Sam had he not been hunger striking? Because who knows whether it would have made it through his editor? Uh, I see what you're saying. And who knows whether it would have been, uh, you know, the AP story would have been picked up by the uh, other, you know, who knows? Who knows any of this? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I know the only way we're going to find out is as more people come here and experiment with uh, trying to live free and try different methods and different approaches. I mean, inevitably, somebody's going to end up getting arrested that's not willing to do the hunger strike, but is willing to non-cooperate. I think, uh, you know, Andrew, uh, I'm not sure if he's... No, I think Andrew has said he's going to hunger strike for the nine days that he's in jail. It's the guy that was... Just, he can't afford to hunger strike. He's even thinner than Sam. Well, he's the guy that was arrested for having marijuana in a public place. He did it as a civil disobedience event. He's well, hunger striking for in. him doesn't... Does, isn't, there is no point in him hunger striking, because he's going to do those nine days one way or the other. Well, um, he's, he's the point for him, he has said, is to at least have some idea of what Sam w- had, had gone through. Okay, well, that's, um, that's so, beautiful. But people are going to do, to do different things based yep. on what they think is appropriate. And uh, I, for Sam one, was trying to get action and hunger striking to get some action out of the bureaucrats when there's no other way to do it makes some sense to me. But it didn't help him um, as far as getting the bureaucrats to do well, anything. Well, it, it, as far as I'm concerned, the media is, is, is all on that same side. Okay. Especially in this town where, you know, the, the mayor's wife owns the newspaper. Okay. And this the, that newspaper is the, you know, it's it's essentially the, the, the easiest door for a, a story to get out and break main, break wide. So anyway, he says, um, Sam started losing a little credibility with me at that time. It's a camera, for crying out loud, hardly worth dying over. And that's what happens when people don't eat. They die. To be clear, I understand that the court is acting unlawfully towards him. I understand that the law is being taken a vacation, is taking a vacation on him in this situation. But I see it this way. Imagine that I own a house, and that house is a, it has a hornet's nest. I take a branch from the tree on my land, which I own as well, and I ram that stick into that hornet's nest and get stung from head to toe. Darn those hornets. I had every right to do so, but I sure hate the consequences. And, I, you know, to some extent... What's I, he suggesting He's there? suggesting the government, to some extent, is a force of nature. And I think that that may be true, right? People act in a certain uh, certain way when they are in a given situation, and then when authority is introduced into that situation as though authority is something that's not human, and it's not. It's a choice of how to react to something, and people act differently when authority is in there. The Milgram experiments uh, prove mm-hmm. this, as did the uh, Stanford prison experiments. Um, you know, all this stuff is well documented. 
So one might call authority a force of nature. It's certainly the way humans react to certain things, right? I mean, it's, this, a, it's a commonly held fantasy. Okay, it, uh, almost a force, a force of nature. So he's talking about hornets being, um, you know, acting as. Well, I think forces of nature you can actually find evidence for. Authority is just a concept. It's just you can thought. find evidence because you can do <laughs> you can do experiments and find out how people react to it. You can find men with guns. You can find force. You can see that uh, this concept changes how people behave. But I don't think that, uh, that I don't think that qualifies as a force of nature. And I think that uh, what James has to say here is valid for him, and I think that everybody... It's valid for him. He's saying that uh, Sam lost credibility, and some people said that, uh, you know, I lost credibility when I gave up after three days of uh, being in jail. You know, you can't make everybody happy. There are always going to be people who, uh, I'm who, of the opinion who that... critique you, and I'd like to see this guy come up here and show us how to do it right. Well, I... Come on up, bud. <laughs> I, I think that he's... Looking uh, forward to it. I think it. he's working on that. Anyway, Great. he probably won't be doing the civil disobedience action, and okay. everybody has their own uh, policy, and I, I welcome if you don't him here. Do Civil disobedience, your critique doesn't weigh that much with me. That's yeah. all I'm saying. My my critique of your civil disobedience when you did it is that yours uh, yours per, with uh, compounded with Lauren's and Russell's has made it that much harder for Sam. Uh, the way Russell and Lauren and yourself uh, you know decided that eh, well you know I'm I'm sick of doing this time here I'll I'll take whatever the judge offers to get me out has made it difficult for Sam who says I'm not backing down and I I think that you know that's my critique. Noted. Okay. 800-259-9231. Is there more? more here. Plenty. Okay. Sam is a grown-up and knows that if you start poking a stick at a police officer or judges, um, you're going to end so, up... So he's saying that a camera is a stick and he's poking it? No, I'm sorry. That's bringing a camera it's into a an public analogy. place. A stick in the lobby of, of, of a courthouse. Yeah. It's not no. even, it wasn't even a courthouse, right? It was a municipal building with a courthouse in it, right? That's correct. He understands that the court is acting unlawfully, if I may uh, reiterate the part yeah. that he has in bold here. Um, but it sounds to me like he's saying, you're asking for it, Sam. You're asking for it. They they did post a sign on the wall. You knew what was going to happen, right? Is it a surprise? Sam understood that there was a chance he would be arrested. A good chance, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. He understood that. Okay. I mean, but that's I wouldn't all describe that as poking a uh, anybody with a stick. He's not saying Sam deserved it. He's yeah. just saying it's no surprise. Right. And remember, that was what the argument between you and I was in the first place. That that you know the difference between victim and hero. Candidly, the FSP turns out to be nothing more than um, if if the FSP turns out to be nothing more than getting the arrested. Free state project. Uh, at every turn, I may start entertaining the idea of staying out of it. There is credence. Right, except for the fact that you're only talking about a handful of people that it's have been arrested. It's really a handful Please. of people. There and are over 700 people Live, that have moved here. But Free Talk Live does spend a lot of time talking about the civil disobedience. Excuse me, correction. That's 700 people in state. Yeah. And uh, one thing that I would point out to James is we can only get so many candidates running so often. And, you know, honestly, there's only at this point with three with, excuse me, six people elected uh, to the House. There's only a little bit of legislation out there. And we've been covering it on Free Talk Live. Yeah, we talked about the gay, uh, the gay marriage thing. That's yep. close to passing. We talked about the medical marijuana thing. That's close to passing. The, the law that says uh, that you can, uh, you know, photograph police officers in, in the course of their official how's that duty. going? There was a hearing on it yesterday. I haven't heard anything. that was uh, at this point. It's made it through the House and into the Senate. But that's huge. What's going on in Illinois, James, yeah, I mean, so, I know what the bastion of freedom is like there. Uh, you know, Illinois you, is one of the least free states in the union. You're right. You, you know can, what? This is uh, this is an example of selective listening, right? Well, We've I, talked about all of these things. We've talked about all of the political things going on here in New Hampshire because, well, you know, we'd talk about some great political success for liberty if it were happening somewhere else. And, you know, we'll mention the medical marijuana things as they come out uh, when, the, when those happen. We've done that. But there's really not much else, as you pointed out, Mark, happening anywhere else. 
the reason why Sam gets more attention than the medical marijuana thing is because there's nothing we can do about the medical marijuana thing. It's you know you call the legislature, right? There's not much else to say about that. Whereas Sam is telling us what things are like on the inside of the jail. He's sharing his experiences. In fact, we got us uh, another Sam Jail blog here in a moment. There's just more meat here. It's free talk live. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those. Uh, again, freetalklive.com features including the Shrine of Female Listeners, the dozens of ladies who sent us their validated photo. Brand new Shriner put up on the website today. Jen, also known as B Roses, she was uh, one of the many, many female callers that we got uh, on the night that the Question Club uh, invaded our phone lines, which is it was a peaceful invasion. It was a good thing. It was fun. Uh, yeah, and, and I would love to hear from more of them again. But with, uh, a number of them said they were going to send in their pictures for the Shrine, and she is the only one who did so. So she's on the Shrine at Shrine.FreeTalkLive. Dot com. So welcome to Jen, and instructions are there if you'd like to submit your picture or video. Still have yet to have anyone do a video uh, Shrine validation. All of those details are at Shrine.FreeTalkLive.com. Are you thinking about starting a business? Here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. They do all kinds of legal documents over there. Patents, wills, trademarks, living wills. Use code FTL to save $10 off your order. It's LegalZoom.com. Code FTL. So we continue with your email, Mark. Uh, Somebody with some critical uh, words for our friend Sam. Uh, Go ahead. Who is now in jail, by the way, for it on his sixth week. Yeah, and I I think more critique than critical words for Sam. That's, uh, That's I, the same I don't thing. think it's I don't think it's rough. I mean, he's not being mean about it or anything. No, he's like not. That. And his intention wasn't even that this be read on air. I had to ask him in order to um, for the go ahead. Case. Okay. Um. So candidly, if the FSP turns out to be nothing more than getting arrested at every turn, I may start entertaining the idea of staying out of it. There is credence to spreading uh, freedom lovers out instead of centralizing. Uh, we don't believe. Yeah, because centra- that's been working so well for the last several decades. Having freedom lovers well, spread out all over the we're place. We're not centralizing either. We're concentrating. We're not centralizing. Uh, That's what he means. He means that, uh, whoa, 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 we need to have people spread out, uh, not concentrated. Uh, when he says centralized, that's what he means. He, he, he's making points that, well, if we take all the freedom lovers out from everywhere else, then uh, what about the freedom in those places? Right. And, um, and the, he's right. I mean, but then again, the freedom lovers in those places aren't really doing anything to stop the flow of government anyway, to stop the increase of the state. I mean, look at all the evidence. There is no, <laughs> there's no slowing down of the growth of the state anywhere. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Like one can say, okay, I'm going to try to send people out to uh, spread the message of liberty, and maybe the internet might help with that. But even so, it'll still only help more if people concentrate in New Hampshire and take action. Concentrating and taking right, action. Then at the very least, you have some examples. Now, I'm not saying that uh, that I think that getting uh, arrested at every turn is necessarily the, the the greatest thing to be done, but I do think that we have to try different things in order to find out what works. Absolutely. And, and we I, pay more attention to the arrests because it's a human element of tragedy and it's just more important to me as the program director of this show right. uh, following a piece than of another legis- medical marijuana th- uh, legislation. Pa- 
right. Following following a piece of legislation in just New Hampshire doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any more sense than following that same piece of legislation mm-hmm. through uh, Rhode Island. The, the fact is, uh, you know, it takes a while for politicians to get in place. It takes a while for them, once they're there, to be able to have enough influence to get things happening. And I understand and that's it, one of the frustrations for the people in the political system, and I understand it. It, it sucks. It, this, it, the idea was liberty in our lifetime, not liberty in the next next year. I mean, the Free State Project hasn't even reached half of its goal yet. All right. of these people are new movers. The people that are, you know, here, uh, there, a few of them are, have now made it to two years that one has to be in state in order to run for state house, and six of them have uh, been elected. Give me a we lot have more running. Fabulous. This year. Fabulous results that have ne- gone on next here. Next year, there are going to be a whole lot more political uh, races say, with free hey, staters in them. Where's the quantifiable results for the free state project? Uh, you know, that's just it's just like saying. You know, going into my house and saying that baby's never going to walk. Look at him crawling yeah. around there. He's, he's just never going to walk. Uh, well, yeah. it's not exactly a perfect analogy, but it's it, you Close. know because plenty of babies have walked, right? Yeah. So you you know that likely babies are to walk, but it still you you haven't given him the chance. Yeah. The, the fact is, the Free State Project hasn't even reached its trigger yet. We, you know, we're also concentrating in a state where. There are a lot of personal freedoms. In fact, New Hampshire was recently rated as, as one of the, mo- the state with one of the most personal freedoms Number in the one. entire United States. Yeah. yeah. I'll be and, damned. And that's right. And so our state is not nearly as far gone as, as a state like New York or California or... Et cetera. It wasn't uh, personal freedoms. It was overall freedom uh, rated by the Mercatus Center as the number one, uh, you know, freest state in the union. It's basically a tie between uh, New Hampshire, South, uh, South, South Dakota, South Dakota, and was Colorado. It, was it? Col- I thought it was. Uh, um, I thought it was Alaska, but I could be wrong. Is Somebody there, should is, look it up at Mercatus. Is there Center. a state house tour uh, for this year's Pork Fest? Does that happen there? Or is it only for the Liberty Forum where they do that stuff? I don't know. You know, there there are so many opportunities for somebody who is interested in learning about all the political action here in New Hampshire. You can come up here and you can actually go to the State House with some of these guys when they go out and do these things. Mm-hmm. Whether the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance is doing their outreach to the uh, the State House people, uh, you can go and or you can go to their website and you can get interactive on their forums. They've got a, they've got a busy uh, a forum that looks to be as busy as the NH Free Forum, which is more focused on the the disobedient aspect and the community aspect or the socializing aspect but there's a lot of political action happening here it's just that as far as this radio show is concerned it's a show about anything so dennis goddard does call in from time to time from the new hampshire liberty alliance and gives us a quick update because i think that's interesting to people that are that are looking at new hampshire as as uh it's considering moving right. here which is a very contingent of our audience or at the very least are interested yeah. in watching the political action that's happening here because eventually the things that are happening here in new hampshire like the gold sheets for instance this is one of my favorites that they're doing yeah. with the new hampshire it's liberty alliance where, where they're where they're making Making up their own voting recommendations. So the Republicans and the Democrats already had their own little handouts that they would hand to the representatives as they were coming in to vote on things like, oh, if you're a Democrat, you should vote like this because these people don't know what the hell they're doing, right? So, uh, oh, great, I can use this cheat sheet. Uh, so basically, the Liberty Alliance went in and they did their gold standard. It's a gold, you know, printed on gold paper, and they go and they hand that out to the representatives as they're coming in. One easy example, or one simple example, if so, I don't know how easy it is, but one one simple example of something that could easily be duplicated if another locality had the same amount of activist strength that we do here. 
So maybe eventually those other places will get to that point. I don't see any evidence of it happening anytime soon. But once they do get to the point of having enough activists there, then they can start taking some ideas from New Hampshire. So I think it's valuable for people to see what's going on. But as far as getting into the details, I mean, what else do you want us to say besides the New Hampshire House has passed the medical marijuana legislation? And and that's the other thing. It's it's, it's kind of like expecting us to, uh, you know, do a review of every new Liberty book that comes out every time it comes out comes out it's not necessarily something we're interested in this is basically uh, a show to some extent uh, about what you were interested in ian and lesser so what i am interested in and books I mean, are fun but and i'm more interested personally in promoting radio shows and television shows and in cartoons i mean that's why we've got uh, sam when he's out of jail on this show because he's a filmmaker uh it's one of the reasons why we have toby and nick from free minds tv and free minds radio on the program that's why dale comes on from uh, from anarchy in your head i mean besides the fact that they're all interesting folks they also have something to promote and what they have to promote to my mind and to the mind i think of most people in you know popular society today pop culture is radio television and cartoons that's more fun and interesting than reading a book look i know that books are great they really are i like books but we're in, a, uh, I think, a society where they're just not as popular as they used to be. They don't uh, – the, the television medium and the radio medium are so much better at they generating emotions, at generating emotions in people and getting them to uh, – just people are paying more attention to those forms of media. And so it's one of the reasons why we promote them here. Uh, a new book that comes out from time to time will get a mention, but it's rare that we'll interview an author. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Uh, Features, by the way, including the updates. You get signed up and we'll let you know whenever there's something, well, you need to know about Free Talk Live when it happens. Uh, You'll know first at updates.freetalklive.com. Again, updates.freetalklive.com. Do you want liberty in your lifetime? Don't miss the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, happening June 25th through the 28th in beautiful Lancaster, New Hampshire. Join hundreds of liberty-loving people for a weekend of freedom and fun. Register today at porkfest.com. That's porkfest with a C, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T. Porkfest.com. We've been reading this email that has been somewhat critical of uh, of us here on Free Talk Live as far as what we're covering uh, on the air as, as in regards to the activism that's happening here in New Hampshire. And it's not a New Hampshire show. It's just based in New Hampshire. So we are steeped in the activism that is going on here. It is part of our lives. We are Free State Project members, uh, we participants. We moved up here from Florida uh, almost three years ago as part of the Free State Project. And so it's part of our lives inevitably that's coming out on the show. But this guy is critical. 
critique, and he's being nice about it, certainly, uh, has focused on his frustration. It, it I seems should think that, so. He's an amplifier. <laughs> great. It, he's focused on his frustration, it seems, that, uh, you know, the, uh, I guess, the undue, perhaps, in his opinion, the uh, undue amount of attention that civil disobedience and non-cooperation receive in comparison to the more staid example, uh, activism of politics. And I would like to suggest that there are other shows that focus differently that are coming out of New Hampshire. I would like to suggest that he take a listen to Dennis Goddard on NH Capital Access, New Hampshire Capital Access. It's a weekly television program of, I believe, a half hour's length. But it's an interview program. It's not like you have to see these people's faces when you, I mean, you know, if he... You could put it on in the background and listen to it, sure. I'm sure you could put it up, uh, if they just ripped the audio and turned it into a podcast, you'd be fine with it. But, but all I'm saying is Dennis is one of the heads, uh, one of the uh, the head agents, if you will, at the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. And inevitably, I'm sure he talks a lot about the things that uh, that go on there. We'll be talking to him actually here shortly. I'm sure he'll fill us in. But let's finish real quick uh, the email, Mark. Go ahead. James goes on. There's credence to spe- spreading freedom lovers um, out instead of centralizing. We don't believe that centralization works with um, with government because it's inefficient. And I'm seeing the virtue, and I'm seeing uh, in my mind here, the virtue of Jesus' example of teaching the 12 and then they go out to the world this model worked darn well i you know i don't know i I can't tell you why christianity spread and uh you know why the other religions didn't make it i can say that some religions spread and religions rise and fall and all that stuff as do political uh uh, you know, ideas. Christianity is not the number one religion in the world, though, right? By no means, okay. but uh, you, one can make, make arguments that it's the most powerful one because, you know, it's the Western religion or whatever. But he's just saying that it's, uh, you know, it worked. And the fact is that, A, um, religions have always been used to subjugate people, and uh, so, you know, that, that's one of the reasons they get spread is because the government helps with the spreading of them at some point or another. Um, and you know, libertarianism, it's not going to work that way because it's about getting rid of that government. It's about get, getting rid of that power. And to some extent, it's about getting rid of the power that the church might have, too, because essentially at some points in history, the church has been a governing body also. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's that isn't going to whatever whatever worked for religion probably isn't going to work for um, libertarianism. I don't know how the Internet is going to affect the spread of it. I still think that concentrating in one geographic area, especially if that geographic area is a state is right. going to have a better effect. And I likely agree. James does too because he's a member of the Free State Project. He's just kind he's of getting cold feet. Says what it sounds like to me. It sounds I like I think he's, that he's he's you know somewhat put off by the civil disobedience stuff. Hey, and hey, look, man, I understand. Same here. Oh, there, disavow it then. There are times when I don't, uh, you know, I'm not interested in the civil disobedience stuff. To me, it's a little little raunchy and a little ugly. Uh, you know, well, but, publicly come out against it. What else can you do? Right, and so that's what I do, and and that's but, fine, and it's working okay for me. But where would we be today if Rosa Parks hadn't done what she sure. did? There are or, times or Gandhi it, didn't do what he did. Right, and it's uh, easy to second guess civilly disobedient people and to say, "Oh, well, you're not going to have the same effect as Gandhi." Well, you don't know. Uh, you, you don't know until you can look back in history and see what happened. We're, sure. we're facing some of the greatest evil that that we could ever imagine on this planet right now, and and Gandhi did at the time in his in his little world, and so did Rosa Parks. Now, what we're facing today, though, is is I think is unprecedented in many ways. You know, Mark, I'm glad you made the point during the last segment about how concentrating activists is not the same as centralization. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about here in New Hampshire is a decentralized, concentrated activism movement. I know that sounds almost contradictory, but the idea of centralization 
is also uh, usually goes hand in hand with command and control. So you're centralizing underneath the control of some central bureaucracy or whatever, some uh, bureaucrat that's in charge of everything, and that's not what's going on here. So the term centralization doesn't apply to what's going on with the Free State Project. Right. No one is in control. You come here, you do what you want. If it's all politics, do that. If you want to dabble in non-cooperation, welcome. Yep. There's all kinds of things for you to do. And you don't have to even if, – if you don't live in Keene, New Hampshire, you won't even the, – the civil It'll be Stuff. Yeah, well, you won't even notice it. Um, I'm reading Claire Wolf. She's getting uh, she's getting me to think that staying as far away from the beast may be the best alternative to living free a free life while on the slave plantation. Probably true. And this is the sort of the other possibility Moving when it to comes the woods. right when it comes to well, I recommend. I recommend a sailboat. Um, the fact is, moving into the woods keeps you too stationary. The government's going to come get you. Uh, on a sailboat, you're, you know, they just don't care nearly as much. Yeah, and likely they won't care about fish. you in the woods. And, the, and the Census Bureau is GPSing all the little cabins up in the woods, too. Yeah, they're doing it. Now, they, they came to my door yesterday. Um, so Yeah, but you, you've got a path to your cabin. If you were to go back deep into the woods with no path and build something sure. out there, you'd probably be safe. Yeah, you could. And, and I'm, I understand where he, you're coming from. However, the question is, James, the Free State Project really isn't about you living free. I didn't come up here for liberty um, necessarily. I know that the tagline's liberty in my lifetime, but I came up here for liberty for other people because I believe in liberty as a concept. I was living a fine life, uh, you know, with, you know, very little... Uh, you know, of government intervention in my life. I paid my taxes. I, you know, made good money, still money that I'm not making yet here at Free Talk Live. So I was making better money driving, you know, my little convertible black sports car mm-hmm. in Sarasota, Florida. If it was about the life that I love, I probably should have stuck around in Florida. What it's, it's about slave is something that I believe in. And if you yeah. believe in liberty, it's difficult. When you get upset, when you read about these uh, police you know, abuse stories, when you read about the government doing the next step, the next step, the next step down the road to tyranny, that's why I'm here. You can escape that by moving out into the woods, but then you don't get a social life. So you The know, government's you like still going to do whatever it does. You're yeah. not taking a stand against it. You're just running away. That's there what was a saying, period though. in my life where I turned off the TV and I decided, you know what? Watching the news freaks me out. Because I knew there was nothing I could do about it. I knew there yeah. was nothing I could do about the, the, the growth of government, the politicians, the, the incredible amount of violence that I saw, saw on local television. I knew there was nothing I could do about it, so I turned it off. You should. It, their reporting's paper thin anyway. Well, but besides the point, that's that was what my yeah. view into the world of news was at the time, and that's what uh, I was doing. So you can go ahead and turn it off. Just don't expect it to be better when you turn it back on. Yeah, when you come out of the forest, ain't nothing going to be fixed. Yep. Probably be worse. And that's that's actually it. That was the uh, the last line of it. And, you know, uh, Claire Wolf was at one point a member of the Free State Project when the Free State Project didn't live up to its original, uh, you know, byline. What the first goal was. What the first goal was. Um, She decided to drop out and she said that, uh, you know, she wasn't interested in him anymore. And God bless her. She can do what she wants. She's, uh, as far as I'm concerned, a motivational writer. And I hope that the Free State Project is successful enough that Claire Wolf has to eat her words. I think so. I hope so. But people come up here and they try to work for liberty in their own ways, just like we all are, just like uh, the different newspapers that are popping up are doing. And you don't have to be involved in civil disobedience if you don't want. In fact, if you have a family, it's not going to be practical for you to do that in many cases. Yep. 
Well, actually, I think if you have a family and you're willing to uh, do civil disobedience, you could do some of the most powerful civil disobedience. It, I mean, the family that does, as I think it's Russell and Kat that say, the family that does civil disobedience together goes to jail together or something like that. Uh, but if you've got a family that could back you up in your civil disobedience to where if you've got enough wealth uh, that your family can take care of things in your absence, I think, it's, I think that's a strong position to come from, from uh, for civil disobedience. I think eventually we'll start to see that. I think eventually we'll see families who've been so sick and tired of paying, for, for instance, for government schools, say, you know what, we're going to stop paying property taxes. All of us families are going to get together and stop paying and see what happens. I think that would be awesome. More coming up. You bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features we give to you. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, learn how to promote us by going to promote.freetalklive.com. whole list of things you can do there to help get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world. Uh, and most of them are completely free or very, very low cost, like printing flyers, for instance. Go to promote.freetalklive.com as we go to your phone calls. Paul is on the line in California. Hello, Paul. Hi, guys. Good hey. show. How are you doing? Hey, what's on your mind? Doing great. Uh, well, I, I was listening uh, to Mark read the email, and uh, I, I thought it was interesting when the person referred to government as basically a force of nature or animals like bees. And that's something I've heard an awful lot. And I think the purpose of that, or even if it's subconscious, is to basically remove moral responsibility from the person who's acting on behalf of government. So, you know, normally if, if uh, you know, you, you uh, say something rude to somebody and they decide they're going to pepper spray you, well, that would be a very immoral act by the person deciding to pepper spray you. Yeah. But if you put it in the context of don't poke a cat or they'll, you'll get the claws, then you, you, you've moved it over into a domain where you've moved it to a cat. A cat is an amoral being. Or if you move it into a realm of nature, it's an, it, nature is amoral. So you remove the moral responsibility from where, where it should be, the person committing the act of violence. I've thought about this a great deal, what you're talking about. And um, you know, I think that people do that for a reason. And I tried to outline what I think that reason is. And I think it's because... You know, that authority is this thing beyond humans, and I don't know exactly how or why, but um, humans react entirely differently when it comes to authority. And I I guess that's sort of an evolutionary trait uh, or something like that. I don't, I, I don't know. I maybe, I don't, yeah, maybe it's, you know, the big omega monkey or whatever, the alpha monkey, essentially, you do what he says or else. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's pretty good, Wayne. It's really good. <laughs> It's uh, the thing is, you know, yes, I mean, people do react to authority that way, but on a fundamental sense, you know, it's, it's a mode of behavior, and a person, whether they're acting in, in, you know, in authority or not, is still morally responsible for their behavior. And, and that's the fundamental purpose of civil disobedience, to point out the immorality of, of the government uh, or of government, the actions of government bureaucrats. And when you, you move those bureaucrats or the government over into the domain of, of being amoral, of being nature or animal, then you've already removed the possibility of, of, you know, moral judgment on them, which is the point in the first place. No doubt about it. And the, the example of it being a bee's nest or a hornet's nest, 
Yeah, that's kind of it. Kind of breaks down right on its face. I mean, these are it's it's difficult to come up with an example that because authority has this legitimacy. Whether you know whether I want to agree with it, whether you want to agree with it, whether anybody wants to agree with it, the facts are the facts. You know, the way that the people react to it. It's not legitimate to me. Look, you will react in a certain way to authority, even if it's not government authority. Sometimes other I'm reacting to men with guns. That's what I'm reacting to. But people react to authority, and that is real, Ian. I mean, you you can say that it's not, uh, and and certainly Gene makes some good arguments. Gene, the Christian anarchist, makes some good arguments as to why it's not true. It's it's, no more true than than Santa Claus. I mean, it's just a fantasy that that people believe in. Just because there's uh, somebody with a beard and some elves... You know, doesn't actually mean that there's a Santa Claus in the same way that just because there are men with guns and badges and uniforms doesn't mean there's anything called authority. It's just men with guns. That's all. Paul, any other thoughts? Oh, no, that's about it. I just wanted to make that point. It, it also makes it so it's inevitable. I mean, the, the nature, responsive nature, responsive deeds is inevitable, but the purpose of civil disobedience is to change behavior, which in the case of humans, you know, is possible. Thank you but for the call tonight, Paul. I appreciate all. hearing from you. Every time I see a nun, my knuckles hurt. What is that supposed to mean? Been... Well, nuns were an authority figure when I was a kid, and, mm-hmm. and I've got a lot of bad associations around authority I figures. See. That reminds me of something, and, and this is not a theory that I've come up with on my own, but I've, uh, I've had some, certainly had a great deal of help um, with this one. But it, I don't really come up with anything on my own. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, is, this should be credited to David Cruz, who's a local activist here. Uh, you know, there was a time when... Geographic, your geographic location decided what your religion was. Now, that is less so today. Okay. But even when it came to denomination, you're Catholic if you're from here. Uh, and, you know, you can almost say that with uh, Italy and Ireland still. Or Latin America. It, yeah, yep, yep. That's a pretty good guess, too. Um, but it's, it's far less so, and it's certainly no guarantee. It was to the point that you would die if you had a different religion than the one that was, uh, you know, in that geographic area. And I'm thinking to some extent, maybe it will come to a point where governments are more liquid in that same way, that one may choose what form of government one has in a given geographic area. There's no good reason why government has to be in a geographic area. Um, you know, tied to the land in the fashion that it is. There's, there's no good reason to it, but that's the way it was with religion at one point. Mm-hmm. And the, the, to have talked about there being a possibility would have had you burned at a stake. Yeah. Now you can at least, you know, today I can at least talk about government beings more liquid and people choosing what form of governances they might want to have in the that's future. That's another way of talking about a voluntary society where this current government that we have, the authoritarian government. Uh, the coercive state, the violent monopoly, ends its monopoly on violence and goes voluntary. You know, it goes funded by voluntary contributions by those who wish its services. And I think it would be a wonderful situation. I mean, that's really, uh, that's the only thing that uh, that I support is people to stop aggressing against their neighbors. Like uh, somebody was suggesting on a recent thread at the, the Keen Sentinel about the, the article about Sam, our friend and co-host that's currently in jail. A lot of critics, of course, come there and trash talk about free staters and the free state project and the, uh, the activism that's going on around here. And, uh, you know, somebody suggested that we are misguided, that uh, they've made a specific comment to me about my misguided ideas. And I said, I've only really got one idea, and that is that you stop aggress- people stop aggressing against their neighbors. What is so misguided about that? 
And when you put it in that context, when you put it in that uh, well, that way, how could someone disagree with it? I understand. I do understand where those people are coming from. First off, uh, the, I don't like any new ideas, and these ideas the free staters are bringing in are uh, in There's some only cases one idea. radical. It's only one, and it's not radical. And they're not uh, often... They're looking at it from the wrong perspective. They're looking at it from the perspective... They're not being given a perspective to look at it that's anything but radical. Okay? There's a lot of radical freakiniacs who say, well, you can't aggress against your neighbor, which means the government has to go away. The government has to go away tomorrow. It's a violent, dangerous organization, which is a stupid position to take because it doesn't forward the conversation anyway. Somebody says, holy crap, what's tomorrow going to be like with no government? That's stupid. And so what you need to provide people with is step-by-step opportunities to get the aggressive government out of their life, to take a moral stance where it's absolutist. It, it doesn't provide anything. Okay, I see where you're coming from, Mark, uh, but you're wrong. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah no. you'd be right if that's all. If all there was was like the Keen Sentinel and everything that we said had to pass through their editorial ears or their mouth. Uh, but that's not that way. We have our own newspaper, television, radio programs. Uh, we've got our own websites. The newspapers, and we get, we none can of these things are, are, are really talking about incrementalism and the ways to go about getting step-by-step results. You go results. ahead and you run for, uh, for state rep, Mark, and you talk about your incre- incrementalism. In the meantime, uh, I think I'll keep talking about principles and, and loving our neighbors and not aggressing because it's not radical. Until, until, Saying that you should stop aggressing against people is not radical at all. Okay. Until you can provide people with answers, you're not going to get anywhere. When you, That's can, the answer. when you consider the collapse that we could face, there has to be an alternative to more statism as the answer when that happens. So getting ideas out there that maybe, you know, by golly, we could govern ourselves again, maybe that would be a good idea to get those ideas out there. Even though those ideas are getting out there, I mean, I don't know what Mark's talking about. He's acting like, uh, you know, there's only this one message that's coming out, and it's nonsense. Just because there are a few people, a couple of trolls that are posting on a message board, uh, that doesn't mean anything about what most people are thinking. We stood along the side of the road with signs that said "Legalize all drugs" and got honk after honk after honk after honk of people driving by. Legalize all drugs is a step that someone could take tomorrow and there there would certainly be a blip there would be some problems within the first six months or first year or two or something like that but those problems would settle down relatively on, quickly though, that's not an increment mark i mean increment oh, it absolutely is, is, is an is increment. Mar- medical marijuana that's an increment sure it's an, it, you can look at it in however you want but you're providing a a path that's what i'm saying you're way. looking at this however you want and you're you're painting a picture as though that it's all one message look, and it's nonsense there's all kinds of messages if being you just put out say there. tomorrow there's no more public school tomorrow um there's no more uh, you know no more roads being funded there's there's no more bureaucrats getting paychecks anywhere. You will have chaos. You won't have peaceful anarchy. I guarantee you that the, the marketplace will pick things up within a few years or months. But people will make changes that result in more government before the, the marketplace has a chance to react. Because you're putting they words don't into my mouth. I've that. never said there would be no, no more you public don't, schools. But you don't provide those same steps for people. I, I don't know what you're talking about, Mark. We've talked about the steps. We've talked about the when solutions. When the freaky acts call in the... on these uh, these radio shows, they they stick the people to the wall and they don't peel them down. We're talking about ideas, and ideas are important. That's what this is all based off of. I understand you support increments, and that's great. More coming up. Hour three's on the way. Alakees.com is a community for self-learners. At Alakees, you'll find tools to help you connect with people learning the same things you're learning. Tutor other community members and to make contacts that can help you find jobs. 
You can also earn money by sharing your know-how with others and contributing quality content. Visit alekees at a-l-e-k-e-s-e dot com. Again, that's a-l-e-k-e-s-e dot com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. So we're going to get right back into your calls here in a moment, but just to recap what we were discussing in the last hour, because it may become relevant here again shortly, uh, there's apparently a, a disagreement in uh, tactics of communication here. It used to be there was a, a rift between types of activists, like the rift was, well, we're the civil disobedience activists and you're the political activists and uh, we don't like one another. And that was really more of an, an internet thing. It didn't really exist in reality. And now as time has gone on, I think that the, the sides have kind of commingled ever more so than they, than they have in the past. Mm-hmm. We can put that behind us. But now, Mark, your, uh, your new complaint is, and I think it's completely unfounded, your new complaint is, <laughs> there's all these activists out there talking about principles, and it's really bothering me because I'm over here trying to talk about pragmatic, incremental things that we can do to increase liberty, and it's really bothering me. But you have admitted in the past, and I think you're hamming it up here tonight, you've admitted in the past that the activists out <laughs> Who there... Who's just talk- crying on the radio? Like you national, have national radio show. <laughs> That's what you were doing last segment. That was my impression of you. Yeah, because uh, I was crying. Because you have said in the past that one of the local uh, politicians here loves you. You're his favorite activist because to him, the things that you say sound, uh, you know, a little more palatable to him. They're reasonable. And They're reasonable compared to the things that you say. So yes, by comparison, true. see, by comparison, we're, a- we're actually doing you a favor and you don't even realize it. Yeah, by they're the bad a- cops. You're the good cop, exactly, Mark. Exactly. Except I see it differently. But they see it uh, differently, too. So that's fine. Everybody can interpret this however they want. People like me being out there talking about principle, talking about the uh, the basic principle idea of let's stop aggressing against our neighbors, our peaceful neighbors, let's stop aggressing against them. Making those points, uh, for those that are uninitiated, it may be a little radical, maybe a little iconoclastic. That way people like you, Mark, that are coming in with, well, hey, let's not take this too fast here. Slow down. Let's go incremental. Uh, you sound more reasonable to those people that are not even close to where I am. They're closer to you, so they are going to align more with what you're saying. And if you're frustrated that there aren't enough people like you in this particular geographic area, rest assured, they're coming. Okay? There's a guy that was here a few weeks ago. He was talking about how he's really into running for uh, for office and he wants to do more politics here in the you know this particular area of New Hampshire. So rest assured, it's happening. Let's go to Dennis in New Hampshire on the amp line. Dennis, your uh, your vision, your thoughts about what we've been discussing here, and then get to why you were calling. Oh, hey, before anything else, you guys were talking about my show, Capital Access, and That's we right. do have a podcast, audio only. So there you go. No kidding. And a video podcast. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really. great. So here's the deal. Um, there is so much drama, and it's so exciting to be involved in the political process. But it makes for, I'm sure, the most boring possible radio. Like my my little TV show, I'm sure for anyone outside of New Hampshire, it would be the most boring possible experience. Don't mm-hmm. bother. Just don't bother watching. Um, but if you're in New Hampshire and, like, you know, you may be interacting with these people or the specific bills are going to affect your life, then it may be interesting. So, but, you know, I was I was at the State House today with a couple other activists, 
Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Dennis. Where can people go and either watch or listen to your show? Should they be interested? NHCAPTV.com. I saw your recent episode with Dale. It was very good. Dale from AnarchyInYourHead.com. That was fun. Uh, I figured you pulled that one off because your normal co-host wasn't there that week. More or less, yeah. And it was a great excuse to take cartoons and mix it in with the uh, philosophy of liberty animation and get that on 10 uh, stations throughout the uh, throughout the state and hopefully spread that more, which is a, a thing I like to do. Yeah, I love that, uh, the philosophy of liberty or whatever it's called, the that little seven-minute video that you can get on YouTube. I think that it just explains it so well, and there's just no arguing with it. Yeah, it's, it's part of how I became an anarchist, that and listening to you guys talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was at the state house today and we're passing out the gold standards and uh and that's always fun, you know, like, oh yeah, this is how we feel about this bill and that bill and why and and a lot of the state reps they want to talk, sometimes they want to argue if they can't believe we take this or that position, and that's always fun. And um you know, I'll I'll say right there, like, oh well, you know, I feel this way personally. I mean, this is not the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance's position, but for me, it's simple. I'm an anarchist, and therefore, I believe blah blah blah. <laughs> it's simple. They just lay it out like that. Don't you so, th- don't you feel that that puts your uh, position back a little ways? I mean, that the uh, that the the politician says, "Oh, well, there's no other anarchists in the world, so I don't have to listen to this one." I think it would have been a bad thing for me to have led with, say, even just six or eight months ago. But at this point, I'm a fixture in the state house, and that has nothing to do with me being special. That's just because I, I take the time, and I go there, and I show up. And the first, honestly, three, four, five weeks I showed up at these meetings, I kept my trap shut and just sat and took notes and watched what the hell was going on. And then only over time, basically building up some credibility, like starting to make um, – a few comments in like uh, if, if, if a bill is open for public testimony and I had something that was actually on topic, relevant, and probably informational and factual. Like I do a little bit of Google searching, get some information, try to you know put something useful together for a decision maker and say, oh, okay, well, I think this and you know here's some Supreme Court cases or here's some information that you may not have otherwise had. There you go. And they appreciate that. They like that. They build up a lot of credibility in the eyes of the legislators. Um, and so it's only now that I've been a fixture there for well over a year, and these people know me. They, they know I'm a libertarian, and now I can say, well, actually, I'm an anarchist, and it doesn't freak them out that bad. Hmm. It's interesting. I, I personally don't like the term. I uh, avoid it for myself. But if you've been having success in politics well, as labeling, labeling yourself as an anarchist, anything is possible, I suppose, huh? So what else do you want to share with us tonight? Anything? Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. All right, Dennis. Thanks for the call. As always, appreciate hearing from you. At 800-259-9231, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's talk about uh, handrail regulations, Mark. Uh, apparently, in some places, it's illegal to not use them. Well, I, uh, this is a, a very strange story. You know, I wanted with Dennis, I didn't get the chance to ask him oh dear. Uh, whether or not the he felt like the uh, the legislation was going to go through for the videotaping of officers. I guess but we'll find out next time. Time will tell. Anyone has uh, it, it, this is from it, it, this is from Les Perio um, and from the uh, the Globe and Mail dot com. Montreal, anyone who's ridden an escalator and bothered to pay attention has seen and likely ignored little signs suggesting riders hold the grimy, disgusting handrail (laughs) full of bacteria and all kinds of other terrible things that'll rot your fingers right off. 
They don't have that written in there, but it bothers me. I don't like touching things like that. Okay. Are you a germaphobe? Um, I I think that there's a uh, there's there's a a good line to take, right? Like germs kill people, so one needs yeah. to be careful of them. Yeah. So don't are you, touch. Are you one of the people that carries around the little uh, the, the anti germ stuff in your pocket nope. and, or your car? And I carry it in my car. I have you I do? have it you know, <laughs> I have it nearby. Um, if I if I need it and have to touch things, right. but you can believe that when I go to a public restroom, I try to avoid touching anything in there if I yeah. possibly I can. Op- if I ha- you know if I can hit it with an elbow, I will. I open the door. I open the door knob with a paper towel. Yep. Hmm. Um, anyone who's uh, let's see uh, in a Montreal's subway system, the friendly advice seems to have taken on the force of law. Backed by a $100 fine. Oh, boy. Bella Kosian, a 38-year-old mother of two, says that she didn't hold the handrail Wednesday. She was cuffed and dragged into a small holding cell and fined. It wow. was horrible, disgusting behavior by the police, said Miss Kosian, a 38-year-old student of <laughs> international law. Held on a handrail vi- violation. Yep. I did nothing wrong. They should go find the guys who stole the tires off my balcony. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, normally when they uh, they do things like this, there's always an interrogation that goes along with it. Where are you coming from? Uh, 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 Sears? Where are you going? <laughs> uh, electronics uh, Department of... Oh, crap. Well, wow. I mean, this is madness. And the, the, the cops in the mall, don't they have, like, kids to be watching from stealing things? Well, this isn't the mall. This is the subway. But oh, the subway. I'm sorry. I missed that point. But either way, it doesn't, you know, it's just so so crazy. It, it's so odd. I, I just I can't believe that they're blocking people up for this, but it's for your own safety, you know. Well, they only detained her, right? She didn't have to spend a night in jail. What if she just said, I'm not going with you? You're some kind of pervert, and yeah, you want to get me off arrest. by myself. They would have freaking tasered her or something. Yeah, it, it is nuts. And, and you're right. They did steal her freedom from her. And if she doesn't pay the fine, they'll probably steal some more freedom from her. Yeah. 800-259-9231. But it pales in comparison to the latest victim of another marijuana raid. This one, 77 years old. Free Talk Live. Ooh. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us, including the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're yours free right there on the front page of the website, going back for an entire year on us, freetalklive.com. There are lots of reasons why you might want to hide your valuables around your home. Asset forfeiture, bank failures, burglars, ex-spouses, your kids, housekeepers. StashYourSwag.com gives you more than 100 common places around your home, most with little, little or no modification. It's StashYourSwag.com. It's an ebook and has lots and lots of pictures. I've looked at it, and I did get quite a few good ideas. Um, and it's you can get it for under 7 bucks. StashYourSwag, S-W-A-G.com. What's swag? Swag. It's another word for stuff. 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 Crap. 1-800-259-9231. We go to the phones and the fun. Danny is in New York. Danny, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, how are you doing today? I'm here in beautiful New York. Finally, no snow in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> <laughs> so what's on your mind tonight, Danny? Uh, my mind today, I was watching the uh, mass media news, and they were talking about how everyone turned on not bringing the prisoners from Guantanamo Bay over here. How everyone turned why, on not what, what do you can you rephrase that? Uh, they turned on whoever was for moving the prisoners over here from Guantanamo Bay. Who is they? 
Uh, most of the Democrats and the Republicans basically agreed on this issue, not in my backyard. So what are you saying here? You're saying that, uh, well, that, that Guantanamo is not being shut down? Is that what you're getting at? Probably not. That's what I've heard. I'm not sure. I haven't seen the actual news story on that, but I, I heard uh, somebody in the chat room saying the same thing. There's also a story yeah. showing that they're probably the, the prisoners there are still being tortured. Oh, lovely. Oh, no, it's enhanced interrogation, Wayne. It's no Wait a minute. Deal. I've been locked up in prison. They do torture us in there. What would you, oh, what would you consider torture? They torture us. What, what, well, give, me, well, give me one example of the ways uh, they tortured you in prison. Uh, I would, if you file a grievance at an officer, expect to find a shank, a cube, or some oh. type of contraband in there where they could put you in the box for. That's not yours. Certainly can happen. So they'll set you up and then basically punish you even more if you try to get any kind of justice against bad officers. It, Interesting. It certainly yes. doesn't happen every time, but it, it, it can happen. And, it, and It's uh, around. Yeah. It's around. But the main reason why they don't want them coming over here is they don't want to get out. The uh, If you have American prisoners mixed in with extremists and that nature, the extremists could use their hate and anger towards the system to help them in their efforts. Because I sort of felt hatred towards the system, too, when I was forced released, and I could have been easily influenced by one of these individuals. So it's not a good idea to mix American prisoners with foreign... So with what's your solution, nationals. Danny? Huh? What's your solution? Solution is keep them separate from all American prisoners and just give them their trials like everybody else gets trials. Sounds, it, show the evidence and convict them on it. it. It sounds to me like it's really the only thing that one can do. Because when do you let the prisoners of war and the war on terror go? When the war on terror is over? Here's a little, here's a little clue, everybody. The war on terror is never going to be over. Um, as long as the federal government right. exists. So if these people were criminals, and, and I'm, I guess the United States government went outside of its jurisdiction to get them, but... You know, I try them on the evidence, and you know, if there's evidence to convict these people, convict them of something and put them away. But I don't know what you're ever going to do with the ones that you release. I'll bet you we've created a few uh, terrorists by holding innocent people who were uh, brought, to, uh, you know, uh, brought to the military and given over to them as uh, bounties yeah, to, uh, you know, uh, you know, heads for bounties. Hate and anger, and also we also know that uh, that uh, the war in Afghanistan is an opium war. It's been an opium war since the 80s. You Almost 90% of the world's opium comes from Afghanistan. Yeah, well, they haven't. They certainly haven't stopped that. I thank you for the call tonight, No, Danny. they have not. Thank you, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Speaking of wars on things, the war on drugs continues virtually unabated, specifically in Alabama. Foley, Alabama is where this one happened, this uh, latest victimization. A 77-year-old man was shot and killed during a pre-dawn raid by police officers with a search warrant for marijuana. Uh-oh. Robert Woods had emerged from a rear bedroom holding a gun and fired once, wounding one police officer. Four other officers returned fire, killing the homeowner. Arrested in the raid was Woods' son, Michael, who was 51, who had been the raid's target. Woods had told an undercover investigator he had a large quantity of marijuana, resulting in the search warrant served during the fatal raid. It's not clear how much marijuana was seized. Uh, 
that's not a good sign. As far as the police are concerned, normally if they seize a decent amount of marijuana, they're going to crow about it from the rooftops. Ah, see, it was worth it killing this 77-year-old man. We got three pounds of pot. <laughs> uh, they, they don't have anything. Yeah. If they had something, they would be uh, they'd be talking about it. Now, in the police uh, in the police version of events, officers knocked on the door, then announced they were entering the house. Remember, pre-dawn. That's probably 4 a.m. or something like that. Then they entered the house yelling, police, search warrant. Then they detained Michael Woods and his mother before a man came out of the bedroom holding a handgun. Officers shouted for Woods to drop the gun, but he fired, striking Officer Randy Stillworth. The other officers... Wow, he had a shootout with the cops. Then this fought. wasn't one of those instances where it was a mistaken identity on the way in the door. You know, I can certainly understand how a guy pulls a gun in the, in the dark when somebody busts through the door and, and shoots some cop because he doesn't know who it is or isn't sure that it's police or something like that. But when they're standing in the living room wearing their, uh, you know, black with police across the front and it's a... You know, it's a bunch of white guys. You have a pretty good chance that you're dealing with the cops, you know? You don't know, though. You don't know. You You don't know, but likely this guy knew that he was firing on a police officer, right? I don't know about that. He's dead. We can't ask him now. Right. I'm just saying the chances are good. But not necessarily. Maybe they maybe they are, Mark. But I don't know. I mean, how many how many gangs have uh, have thought of the idea of going out to a, ordering from a police supply store online, getting themselves some police digs, and doing the very same thing? I mean, if that's if that's all it takes to get people to act obedient is to dress up like the police, then uh, it would be a very good tactic for gangs to use. I think that it's. A, I think you're right, but I. I don't think it's happening enough that people naturally assume that when they're dealing with somebody who's dressed up as a police officer, that that person could not be a police officer. I think that it's you're talking about a, uh, in, in the circumstances, at least that I see in the news, you're talking about a one in a thousand, one in ten thousand. But chance. maybe they don't get reported very often. Maybe, uh, for instance, maybe a gang of, of uh, people that aren't the police because they are a gang in their own right. But a, another gang dresses up like the police goes into somebody's house that they know has marijuana and uh, and then acts like the police. They get the people in the house to be docile and obedient, as the police are effective at doing. Uh, nobody, No gunfire is traded. And then the police just say, uh, the so-called police, the, take, the, uh, take the marijuana and, uh, you know, well, file, file, we may file charges in this case. Have a good day, folks. And then they walk away. Those, those people would be just happy to uh, have, you know, escaped with their lives. They would be happy to have not gone to a jail cell. Oh, my gosh, the police came in here and they just took our pot? Whew, thank goodness. I mean that's a that's a pretty good way to end a a medical a, a marijuana raid is just to lose the pot. If you don't end up in a jail cell, you can start over. A lot of times they'll take everything you own too. I mean, you know, with the drug with the asset forfeiture laws that are out there and if you happen to have cash in the house, good lord. Right, but a common gang isn't going to take everything you own. They're going to come in, take the cash, take the uh, the, the marijuana, and they're going to leave. And what are you going to do? Call the cops and say, hey, did you guys raid my house for marijuana this morning? Uh, just want to let you know I was robbed by someone who was look, uh, attempting to look like you. I don't know how well that would go for you. Yeah, I don't either. You think the police are going to really investigate that case? I don't know. Uh, maybe you're right, Mark. Maybe it hardly ever happens. But nonetheless, it's still a valid concern for people. More coming up about this story. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com.
This is Free Talk Live. If you want, you can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, and by the way, those features include live streams. We've got a broadband version, a dial-up version, and even a webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. And audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. Audible has over 60,000 titles for you to choose from. Every genre, Audible has it covered. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up today. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL and get your free audiobook. So just want to continue this story. We'll get right back to your calls. Uh, to wrap up, the 77-year-old man that was shot and killed by police in Foley, Alabama, during a search warrant for marijuana executed in the early morning hours... Uh, He's dead. Uh, in the police version of events, they say that they knocked on the door, came in, shouted police search warrant, then detained uh, the man they were looking for. who's was a 51-year-old man, the son of the guy they killed, and his mother, before a man came out of the uh, bedroom holding a handgun. Officers shouted for Woods to drop the gun, but he fired, striking one officer. They then fired back, killing Woods. So this is the father? Correct. Wow. Now, that version of events, that's the police's version, has not been corroborated by witnesses. In the comment section of the article linked to above, a person who identifies, identifies herself as Wood's granddaughter had this to say, quote, He and my grandmother survived being robbed at gunpoint in their home in McCalla, Alabama. He also survived a horrible accident when the golf cart he was driving, working as a security guard, lost control and went up, an 18, went up under an 18-wheeler. He had to have brain surgery to remove a tumor due to that accident. Gosh. Now, let me set the scene for you all. For one, he didn't have his hearing aids in. Mm, Second, he didn't have his glasses on. Third, what the hell would y'all do if you give his history if all of a sudden you were woken by a loud boom? You would grab the nearest object that you have by your bed, and seeing that we all live in Alabama, you either have a baseball bat or a gun. So he grabs his gun and goes running toward the sound of the boom. All he sees is a figure moving in his home. Now Mike sold to an undercover the night before in the driveway and says he has a large supply in the house. People, it was four small bags of pot. My papa lost his life for four small bags of pot. And now you have the rest of the story. It's not like this man came, stepped out of his bedroom, saw the police, and opened up. Mm. This man was impaired and did his best to protect his house. He did his best to protect his castle from the intruders, from the invaders, who had come in there looking for a plant. A plant. The number one cash crop in America. And now he's dead. Foley police have called in the Alabama Bureau of Investigation, as is standard in police shootings. They'll be assisted by the attorney's office and the sheriff's office. Meanwhile, officers involved in the shooting are on... Probation. Paid administrative leave. Yeah, sure. It's either that or they're driving a desk, one of the two. Yeah, you kill a 77-year-old man uh, and you get a a vacation. Well... Um, the story is always going to, you know, the cops are always going to put out a story that's uh, satisfactory sounding for them. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they're they're never going to say, 
oh my gosh, Jim, what were you doing shooting the old man for? You know, they, they just don't, they don't do that. They might say that to each other, but they're never going to put anybody on trial. That's not imagine, how it's done. Can you imagine what they uh, tell themselves afterwards? Well, and he had a son that was a drug dealer, and so he deserved well, I think for that living they, with that trash. I think that, uh, you know, probably how it goes is, you know, somebody says to uh, the shooter, good job, shooter, you got that perp. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah, I got the perp, you know, and then like because it's it's got to be rough shooting somebody, uh, you know, it's got to be terrible, a terrible experience, and then you know, as as people kind of pat him on the back, that guy had a gun, you know, yeah, you do we, what you we had to the, do. We found the gun next to him, and, and you know that right. they sort of they sort of uh, you know move each other along they this little path it. to yeah. justification as the adrenaline rages through their veins. Sad story, and it's not the only one like this. It's just every uh, every few months there's a new story of somebody who has been shot and killed. In one of these drug raids. And, of course, this is over, glossing over all of the other people who just have their lives torn apart by these raids. Luckily, they managed to escape with their lives, but that doesn't mean their lives aren't ruined by all kinds of accusations, police destroying their doors, beating uh, their, their doors down, destroying the, their property in their home, killing their dogs in front of them, in front of their family, holding their uh, holding moms and dads at gunpoint as uh, small children are, are in the room. I mean, the, 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 the tragedies just continue on, and... They keep enforcing these laws. They keep hurting their neighbors, and they pat themselves on the back and give each other awards for this stuff. Well, there's a war on drugs, Ian. Well, there's a war on people. That's what it is. We continue with your calls. Bill is in Florida. Bill, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, guys. I just wanted to uh, uh, comment on the story out of Montreal. and uh, Where the woman was arrested for not using a handrail on a subway. Exactly. And when you first read the story, and I actually looked it up and and was reading the story myself, but uh, it it, it sounded so unbelievable and and that, you know, this couldn't possibly be true. But then when you think about the the logic behind it, since they do have socialized medicine there, Mm. uh, it's in their interest to be as nanny state as they can and make sure you don't get a hangnail or anything that might actually send you to the... uh, the doctor's office so uh that's that's, that's a good point anybody that puts the uh, the system in jeopardy of having to spend money it otherwise wouldn't have to spend uh Absolutely. is a criminal i mean it, it it stands to reason that as soon as we get socialized medicine here uh we're going to be nannyized uh to to the extreme as well yeah they can't afford to have us going to the doctor for something silly like that it's called eugenics medicine <laughs> Well, what about when they actually uh, end up tackling the person for, for uh, as they use their police tactics on them and, uh, and possibly harming them in that way? Maybe it'll end up costing them more in the long run. Of course, that kind of logic won't be running through the, uh, the, the representatives or whatever they call themselves up there as they pass new nanny state legislation. So I think you're right. I think that's – I mean, we've already seen the nanny state on the rise here in America for the last several decades, and uh, it's inevitable. It's only going to become more intrusive and more oppressive, and, and they can just – you're right. They'll justify it. By by saying, well, we're going to give you this $150 fine this time for not using the handrail, but if you get caught not using the handrail again, we might just have to pull your health care rights. I mean, they could do well, that, right? Just that, but the the it totaled what 400 and some odd dollars. Uh, she got a $450 fine nice. for resisting or whatever the heck it was. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. They also, good. you know, roughed her up a little bit in the process of uh, putting the cuffs on her, bruised her hands, apparently scraped her with the, you know, you know, braided her foot or something. I wonder so. if that'll be the last time she takes the subway. I don't know why they just didn't taser. <laughs> Thank you for the call tonight, Bill. Yeah. I appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Don't give many ideas. 
they uh, they love using that taser for pain compliance, and he's right. Maybe they just didn't have a taser. Some some police officers don't have them still. They're not all over the place. For instance, here in Keene, the Keene cops do not have them, but the state cops do, and the sheriffs do. So if they need someone with a taser, it wouldn't be hard to get their hands on one. Uh, speaking of things that are going on around these parts, uh, I've got another update from our friend Sam, who is currently in jail, now been in there for over five weeks, and he's been sharing with us his story from the inside, not just by telephone. We've had him on a number of times on the show, and I can't imagine what my phone bill is going to look like after uh, I get it here. And uh, he's also been blogging over at freekeen.com. And so he's been sending out blogs, been writing them down. And Mike Barsky at mail-2-jail.com has been doing a great job of transcribing them for all of us to read and for us to share a few of them with you here. And here's his, uh, one of his latest ones. This is from Thursday the 14th. He says, I received more good news from Ivy today. I'm sure it's been widely reported that when faced with responding to Ivy's demurrers, Officer Rivera, who's the arresting officer and the prosecutor, dropped the disorderly conduct and the theft charge. Even if I had not been in jail for the last 30-plus days, responding to his baseless charges and accusations requires a considerable amount of time and money. And, of course, that's of no concern to Rivera, as the government-designed and subsequently government-subverted justice system works to shield their bureaucrats who act improperly or violate their laws from prosecution or even the consequences of their actions. They can come in, charge you with five different charges, and then just waive them all if they want to. And you've spent all kinds of hours and time and hired a lawyer or whatever. You've spent all this uh, mental energy on doing something about the charges. And then all of a sudden, right before the trial, they might just decide to drop them. And see you later. More coming up. You take control. Free Talk Live. Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it right now. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So no matter what you buy, whether it's brand new or even used in dozens of categories, free super saver shipping on a whole lot of items, get your shopping done at amazon.freetalklive.com. You get the stuff you want at great prices and you'll feel good because Free Talk Live is getting a cut when you enter through amazon.freetalklive.com. Our friend Sam is in jail. He's been there since April 13th on a disorderly conduct charge, which has actually been dropped. Um, so even though they have dropped the original charge that he was arrested for, they've kept the resisting arrest charge, which he would never have gotten had they not arrested him for disorderly conduct in the first place. So how they can keep that, I'm not sure, but they have. Uh, logic does not need to apply to the government's system. And uh, let's see, they still also have the refusal to process charge, which again... He never would have had to process had he not been arrested for disorderly conduct, so don't get that one either. Uh, The refusal to process makes less sense to me. I think that you could still get charged with resisting arrest. It seems to me that they could charge you. If, if for instance, you... I don't know. The, 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 I would think that they would be able to change it to an assault on a law enforcement officer if you, in fact, resisted. And I don't think that there there should be any such thing as resisting without violence. If they want to pick you up and take, if they want to take you someplace, they should be willing to pick you up and take you to that place. Right. And there kidnappers. should not be a charge for it. 
and not helping them to kidnap you. Because, you know, kidnapping is an illegal thing. They're doing the legal version of kidnapping, which doesn't make it right, but it makes it legal. Um, That doesn't mean that you are obligated to go with them. Mark Edge for Sheriff. There you go. I'd do it. Uh, So let's continue here. As Sam uh, begins to explain that the government people can just throw charges at you and then let them go later on after you've spent all kinds of effort doing something about it, preparing yourself to defend uh, against them and that sort of thing. And then they can just drop them later. There are no consequences for them. They can do this. This is their system. They can uh, play in it all they want. It doesn't cost them really anything at all to to bring charges against you and then drop them later. He says it's another example, and this, again, from his blog at Freaky. It's another example of the harm that naturally arises out of granting a true monopoly that only governments can over a given service to one organization. Who else could remain blissfully ignorant of the practices, guidelines, and rules of their profession? What would happen to the architect who designs unsound structures, the ship captain who struggles to chart and navigate a course, the financial advisor who struggles to understand annual reports? The answer is clear. Competition provides the proper market signals to protect consumers. Yet when it comes to government-provided services, people seem oblivious to such basic, uh, such a basic concept. Meanwhile, over the last year, the Keene Police Department, several district courts, court security, and the city of Keene have become increasingly hostile toward liberty activists and members of the free press. Rivera, has, uh, who's the prosecutor, has filed and later dropped charges against Ian Freeman, that's me, from Free Talk Live, Toby and Nick from Free Minds TV, Mike Barsky, the organizer of Keen Freedom Fest, and now my media entity, Obscured Truth Network. Based on the recent string of dropped charges, Rivera either doesn't read or doesn't understand the statutes or what constitutes a violation of them. Having read his motions, Rivera's due diligence appears to be limited to a half hour of surfing the web. Most of the forms he haphazardly fills out threaten his victim with being locked in a cage for up to a year. Take a minute and think about that. It's something I have a newfound understanding and appreciation of through this experience, having been in now for his sixth coming up on, uh, he's into his sixth week. What would happen to your life if right now you were hauled off to a cage for a year? How would your friends... (sighs) family, and dependents be affected? What about your job? The place you live? Your possessions? This is a horrendously ineffective system, and there is a better way. Rivera's probably not losing any sleep, nor is he much different than any other police officer or prosecutor. He works for a monopoly, remember? Well, to be fair, it's not just a monopoly, it's the most important one. It's the one that all of the others depend upon to retain their government-created monopoly, like the power company, for instance. It's the monopoly on the legitimate use and initiation of force. Despite all of its propaganda, government at its core is simply a group of men and women who are willing to use force to achieve their means. For their ends are often lost in a quagmire of unintended consequences. Like we just talked about with the 77-year-old man being killed over a couple bags of marijuana. Those are the unintended consequences of that government program. And only one example of the unintended consequences. There are many, many more like uh, a drastic increase in violent crime. The fact that you're at risk from having somebody uh, stealing from you is dramatically increased. All of these things, consequence, some of the consequences of prohibition, uh, not to mention the impurities in the drugs that result in kids dying and Anyway, I could go on. Rivera knows everything will be okay. Besides, this kind of behavior has never come to bite him, bef- uh, come back around to bite him before. Well, that is until now, because this is not like before. 
The free staters are changing that. I was visited by reporters from the Keene Sentinel and the Boston Globe recently. The letters and postcards show up day after day from around the country and the world. And I would like to add that if you'd like to send Sam a letter, the easiest way to do it is to go to mail-to-jail.com. And you can send it to him there. You don't have to lick any stamps or any envelopes or write anything down. You just type type, type your letter in there, and Mike Barsky will take the time and effort and the money to send it off. Though I'm sure he would appreciate your contributions, and there is a donation link there. So Sam says, the legal team supporting me is probably like nothing they've ever seen, and momentum continues to build. This time is like nothing that has ever come before. And I'm just getting started. And it's not just Sam that's just getting started as well. It's this whole movement, this yeah. whole uh, – the liberty movement as a whole just across the country I think is really just kind of coming into its own. It's starting to gel maybe for the very first time thanks to the Internet. But here in New Hampshire, this is going to be, if not already is, the epicenter of the liberty movement. Everything that you see happening in the, around the country eventually will probably imitate many of the things that are going on right now uh, and will be coming soon here in New Hampshire. I'm that confident because I know we have the best activists moving here. I know we have to have the best activists because you have to be one of the best to even consider picking up your life and moving. And even if you haven't been an activist before and you plan on being an activist when you get to New Hampshire, you're still one of the best in my book because that's in such an incredible level of commitment. Your average activist just doesn't have it. Just the average activist showing up at a peace protest or something like that, they don't have that kind of level of commitment. I remember when I was trying to round people up to work at an outreach booth down in Sarasota, Florida. It was like pulling teeth. I had to make phone calls the day before just to make remind people that they had a responsibility and they had to take care of something the next day. And even then, still, some of them didn't show up. Yeah, but it's too hot outside down there. They'd rather, stay home, in, they'd rather stay home in their air-conditioned home or car. Well, the, air con- the, uh, the, the arena that the event was in was air-conditioned as well. But it, there's always an excuse. There's always uh, you know, some other slack ball that you're trying to, uh, to, uh, to whip into shape to get them to show up when they say they're going to show up. These activists up here in New Hampshire don't have that problem. Hey, Ian, were you a very authoritarian as an activist organizer? No, no not at all. I mean, I was frustrated. Terms, yeah, I used those terms out of, out of frustration. I mean, okay. I, I did my best to, uh, to, to bring them in, and I got things done. I mean, I managed to, to work the events that I planned on working. It's just they, they never really turned into anything. And I think that the activism here in New Hampshire is turning into something. It is right. building. Some, some people would say that there's not quantifiable results. And, you know, I, the, the results that we are able to quantify, they can say, well, that's happening in this state or that state. Like they can, you know, compile from around the world the, the sort of the different things that are happening here. Sure, there's gay marriage in other, um, other states. I think New Hampshire's the fourth or sixth or something like that state and there's medical marijuana in other states certainly um, it's legal to uh, photograph uh, and videotape police officers in other states sure but we're having progress as a group and at some point we'll get past just the little piddly stuff we're doing there are only 700 in state uh, free state project members and the goal is 20,000 yeah it's, as far as I'm concerned yeah you, you get you double our number, and I think that you'll you'll see some uh, uh, you know in exponentially in increases in results. Yeah, we're only uh, I mean we're only a, f- a few steps into this journey, and we haven't even even the ones that have been here for a few years have things to learn. Absolutely, 
we all have things to learn, and, and over time we will learn them, and uh, things are going to get even more interesting. We look forward to bringing you all the information here. By the way, uh, our buddies over at the Motorhome Diaries have appeared on the Freedom Watch show. I didn't get a chance to see the entire interview. I, I kind of tuned in toward the end today, but good to see that Pete and Jason and Adam over at MotorhomeDiaries.com, who were arrested last week down in rural Mississippi, are continuing to garner Internet uh, coverage uh, as far as mainstream media is concerned they they have gotten an article in the Laurel Leader call down there in Mississippi, but basically, as uh, J.D. Tassil says over the Tassil blog, he says that essentially the reporter at the Laurel Leader call uh, basically took a glance at the Motorhome Diaries website and then interviewed the sheriff and quoted the sheriff in their article. So it was like a total, you know, pro-state piece. Yeah, um, the, the sheriff says that he's proud of his officers and the way they yeah. acted. I would really, you know, if the, if the sheriff thinks that the media, uh, that he has nothing to hide from the media, I'd like to interview him on this show. I'd like to talk to him here. Hey, go after him, Mark. See if you can get him. We'll have him on. I'd, I'd uh, like to encourage some of our associate producers to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want him that bad, then. All right. We're done. It's Vinny in here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us tomorrow night. And same time, same place. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.